you are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, Our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey, welcome to Arts on the Air. You were just listening to Pizza and Wine. And now you have Arts on the Air, an interview show with Tamara and Melissa. Melissa is unfortunately not here today. I have Cola Hack, Derek Hakita Lynch. Welcome. Hi. Thanks good, for having me. Good to have you. Um, so your, your performer stage name is Cola Hack. I'm going to read a little bit from your bio. Um, you're a member of the Cheyenne River Indian Tribe in South Dakota. And your name, Hakita, means looking back. And that is a long version of your stage name, Cola Hack. That's right, yeah. Um, my mom gave me that name, Hakikta, looking back, because when I was young, apparently uh, I would run and constantly look behind myself. Okay. So she said to see how fast I was going or to see the <laughs> dust that I was picking <laughs> behind up. Behind you. Yeah, yeah. Like a cartoon character. Exactly. The dust. Right. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. That's how I became looking back. <laughs> And then how did you turn that into your stage name, Cola Hack? Well, Cola is uh, another word in Lakota for brother or friend, you know, and then I just shortened up Hakikta to Hack, and my brother, uh, they liked it because they thought it sounded like 90s cyber hacker, okay. you know, so <laughs> I love that. thought it fit the digital vibe yeah. of everything. Yeah, for your electronic music. Yeah. Were you a big fan of that movie, Hackers? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's it's cheesy, but yeah. I think it's a lot of fun. Does it hold up? I haven't watched it in a long time. You know, I own it, but I haven't returned to it probably in like over a decade. We should so. return to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. on kind of a 90s kick. Right. Yeah. I'm rewatching Dawson's Creek, frankly. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, how, that's how deep <laughs> 90s I'm getting. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk to you about, so this was interesting. On your, on your bio, you talk about... Um, how you were, since you were unable to perform during the pandemic, it led to you writing electronic music in your living room. So that's like a whole new branch for you doing this. Yeah. Well, when I was uh, younger, you know, we had uh, programs on our, you know, computers growing up, like uh, Cakewalk and, you know, just little audio recordings uh, programs. And then we got Fruity Loop Studio uh, when we were real young, and so I was a little familiar with the interface on that, so I wasn't going completely blind into electronic music, but I'd never really took it seriously. Yeah. I, uh, and, and I also wanted to do something a little more tactile and not um, just writing on a computer, so I play instruments I wanted so I invested in like new keyboards and used some old keyboards you know the ones that you could find in like pawn shops or thrift stores that cost ten dollars like real classic 80s things yeah yeah and just uh ran them through a bunch of guitar effects pedals to try to get interesting sounds oh that's cool you know yeah uh, how did that work was it pretty easy to do that was a lot of trial and error I think it, it came to me pretty easy, you know, like playing music for so long, you at least like have, you know, an understanding of what goes where, you know, as far as mixing was concerned, though, that was a lot of trial and error because I had never really produced anything Yeah. being in a, you know, bands and stuff like that. We always outsourced that. Yeah. So suddenly you're doing aspect. the like soundboard stuff that was all new. Yes. That's cool. Okay, so now I want to pl- I'm going to play I'm going to put in a little clip of some of your recent music. electronic music that I've been listening to it has this vibe to me of like like the the background music in horror movies like during a chase scene or some kind of tension thing is that sort of what you're going for yeah I uh, <laughs> I think uh I could see that I there there is a quality of 
a lot of the stuff that I write that might have a certain gloominess to it, <laughs> um, which is funny because I've been told before that like I have a very sunny disposition. And <laughs> yeah, so, you're very smiley, but the music is very goth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think it's kind of been a therapy for me. You know, my whole life is like, I love sad, dark music. Yeah. And that's my uh, cathartic release, you know, is listening to that. your other side. Yeah, it... Yeah, you mentioned some of the bands that you were really into, um, like Massive Attack and Portishead. Mm -hmm. Are those the ones? Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. So you, you were born in the area of Savannah, and then you moved to Savannah really at 18, and you've been here ever since, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was born in Savannah, then uh, my parents, they moved out to Guyton, just one county over. Okay. So we didn't really have anything to do out there, you know. Coming to the city was like a big deal. <laughs> like. Yeah, going into like, the city. Yeah, or like going to the movies or going to the mall, like that <laughs> was like just... I mean, the greatest thing in the world. So in Effingham, you know, we played music, you know, and that was the way to pass time. And my parents, they really encouraged it, I think, because it kept us home. Yes. You know. Kept me busy. Yeah, kept us busy. Like in the garage, basically. We used to have shows out at their house and with lots of people. People came from Savannah. People came from Brunswick, like to out see out to the these, countryside, out to Guyton at my parents' backyard to see these backyard hardcore metal <laughs> punk shows with like fifty to sixty teenagers, like. Just <laughs> yeah. So, how old were you when this started? When you and your friends and family started playing together? Um, like in bands or just music? Like, how did you period? start in music at all? My dad is a fantastic guitarist. You know. Uh, mm. So he played, and so his guitar was always around the house. And they actually encouraged me to, like, play guitar when I was young, like, very young, like, four years old. Okay. So they got me a guitar, and I'm left-handed. And they got me a left-handed guitar. And so... Yeah. I so couldn't you couldn't play. just oh, yeah, learn I, on anybody's like, guitar. I was, just, like, I was, like, completely terrible at it. <laughs> So I never played guitar again until I turned 11, and I just started picking up his guitar for right-handed people, and I just, it, it kind of was like an instant click. Like, I was like, this is what I like. Oh, you, you know? could do it yeah. right-handed that yeah. way? Yeah. Okay. Which is kind of weird with guitar because you use both hands. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, I didn't even think, in the photos of you where you're playing guitar, you're playing it like you're a right-handed person. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Know. But uh, handedness is... You know, just whatever you're comfortable with, I guess, with guitar, you know. I guess that that makes it easier now as an adult where you can swap around instruments a lot more than if you'd stuck with the left-handed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, So then, so you moved to Savannah at 18, and where around the city have you lived? What areas? Uh, You know, I've lived in Gordonston. Uh, I lived over off Forsyth. Okay. Uh, Yeah, it used to be a lot easier to live downtown right right yeah everything's slowly being (laughs) yeah uh, like young people you could just live downtown yeah so now we're like in midtown (laughs) (laughs) we've all shifted it'll it'll be only be a matter of time before we're like oh gosh we're in south side now what happened (laughs) but like you know right around when i graduated uh i had a band going with uh several people that still live here in town um but we were called a girl a gun a ghost and it was just like a southern metal melodic band and somehow or another it ended up really taking off like in a weird way yeah Yeah. like what year was this that was um 2005 okay probably to 2008 2009 when i lived in savannah the first time i got here 2005 and you know we had all grown up going to like shows at the Velvet Elvis. Yeah. And it turned into the know, jinx. Turned, turned into the jinx, you know. So that was like, we want to play there. Like, that was our... That was the big place. The, the big motivation is like, we want to be on that stage. And eventually we did get there, but uh, we were still so young, you know. Like, we didn't... I feel like we didn't belong in, um, like, the downtown world of heavy music. You know, people were still just like, 
oh, these kids, you know. Like, yeah, uh, they were playing more established. Yeah, fans. yeah. And, you know, we couldn't hang out and drink yet and stuff, so. Yeah, that's a big awkward thing if you, you literally can't yeah. drink, so, yeah. <laughs> we probably weren't supposed to be in the bar. Probably weren't even but, supposed to be in there. <laughs> but they, they could hire us as uh, contractors for the night <laughs> is what they would say. Were there other, were there many other venues downtown to play in, or would it be at people's houses? Yeah, we were walking uh, by last night, uh... And I saw the old spot. It used to be called Teasers, and we we played there a good bit growing I up. That was out on yeah. the river. Do you remember Distillery? Oh yeah. All right, so that used to be a place called Teasers. Yeah, oh, it was like okay. a alternative music venue. Wow. Know? Yeah. So we played there. Oh my gosh, we did so many sweaty, horrible, but completely packed to the brim shows at Sweet Melissa's basement. You know. Oh. Yeah, which is now Kay's Pizza. Blast from the pat, yeah. But everybody still just calls it Sweet Melissa's, I feel like. I didn't know there was a basement to that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it, it kind of a secret thing? No, it wasn't a secret. It was uh, miserable, though. They Yeah, does it, it's not still used for anything at all, right? It's not? Not to my knowledge. Okay. I think, you know, they have new ownership, so. Did you know during the beginning of the pandemic they did a thing where you could go by for lunch and get a free slice of pizza if you were, like, hurting for money and needed some food. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, they did it for months. That's great. Yeah, it was really wild. Yeah. Um, so, that's well, it's so funny. I can't get over this thing that the distillery used to be the alternative rock mm-hmm. place. I love that. Yeah. yeah um, that was another, you know, milestone for us, like, growing up. We were like, we want to play that place, I mean, too, that's a really you know? big room. Yeah, I mean, they had big, uh, well, big to us at the time, but, you know, like, these yeah. bands that came through, like, there's a lot of names that played there that ended up going on to do big things. Like, one of my old bands played RFS with Mastodon. Yeah. You know? Like, and that band's pretty huge now, you know. Uh, I think Under Oath played there one time, you know, and I don't know. How did you, so in your bio you talk about, at some point you started touring, quote, all over North America and Europe. How did that happen? What, what year is that? Well, the band that I was previously talking about, A Girl, A Gun, A Ghost, we, that was, like, our idea of, like, we just needed to get on the road and just tour constantly. Because that's what everybody was doing at the time. Yeah, you know? that's how there you make any money. Yeah, there wasn't, like, streaming wasn't around yet. Napster was right. kind of a thing, but... Um, and Napster's super controversial exactly, for musicians. Exactly, yeah. Like, if you were a musician, you were kind of like... Uh, well, I feel like I, people were kind of against Lars Ulrich from Metallica at the time. They were like, we don't care. Like, we just want people to hear our music. But, you know. Oh, he became the controversial Yeah, event. yeah. Like, I didn't really mind Napster at the time because I just wanted to listen to music no matter how I could get my hands on it. Yeah. But because you didn't have this uh, ease of accessibility with, like, finding new music, what you had to do is just, like, get on the road as an unknown band and tour yeah. constantly. I you mean, had to like physically be in front yeah. of people. Some of our favorite bands back then, they would literally be on tour for almost an entire year, just nonstop yeah. grinding. And so that was like, they were kind of our heroes in that sense. And we wanted to do that, just like get out and travel. So we kind of did, you know, like we didn't tour that rigorously, but you know, we left to go play shows with the help of some other people with basically no fan base, you know. So our first tours, we were playing to effectively empty rooms sometimes. How would you even get the gigs? Was there somebody in your band acting as the PR person? Well, uh, our drummer Danny was kind of a person who would reach out to... uh, other bookers and stuff like that and we had friends that were quote unquote managers or something like that there's just people finding their place and trying to connect all these dots together to help bands like in each city somebody was kind of looking out for you and booking something yeah that's stressful it's like point by point as you go yeah so got a bunch of like u.s tours and eventually that band started to pick up steam you know we I think the constant touring, like, was really helping, like... Yeah. What show, year was that? Uh, it was, like, 2006, okay. 2007, like, you know. So we started getting, like, bigger tours, you know, 
uh, Did you better start shows. Where you were opening for bigger bands yeah. that you actually knew? Yeah, definitely. And we were still the uh, the young guys yeah. on the band, so, or on the bill. So I remember going to a lot of shows where there would be like like three bands, so you would be like the first yes, the first opener. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any kind of crazy memorable stories of any shows, like wild things that happened? Oh man, I'm sure you have a lot of wild stories. Oh well, yeah, I'm we putting on that. It's hard a, to think of it right now. <laughs> there, yeah, I mean, just hundreds of shows probably. So immediately, the first one that came to mind was uh, playing in San Francisco. And an earthquake happened while, oh. we, were, while we were on stage. <laughs> so what an experience! It wasn't it wasn't a like violent one. You know? Yeah, like, just a uh, little rumbling. Just like everybody looks around, like a. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I know you're from the East Coast. The first time you feel that, it is it's it's very weird and surreal. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the only time I've ever experienced one. Were the people in the audience like? Did they seem they, to be much calmer than you guys on stage were? Unaffected. The bartender was just kept working. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys, did you stop for a minute and then say, okay, we're going to keep playing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just kept going. <laughs> yeah. you, you, have to, you have to keep playing through whatever problems I've learned. You know, like, when, as a band, you can't uh, fall apart on stage. You know, yeah. when, you, when you break a string or something, you know, as a guitarist, you can't just shut down. Like, yeah, you have to you keep have to, your game face you on. You have to figure it out, you know, play around it. How do you do, okay, so say you break a string in the middle of a song. At the end of the song, can you just change it really fast before the next one? Well, it's good that I've done that before, but, you know, as I've gotten older, you start bringing more guitars. Okay. That's the... <laughs> Give your backups. Yeah. That's... The only thing of tennis players have multiple rackets. Yeah, and, and when you get to the really, uh, you know, to the really big point, then that, you have a guitar tech type. I'm not there. <gasps> Ooh. But, you know. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I still have to do my own dirty work. <laughs> I did want to ask you at some point how many instruments you own right now. Like, can you even? Yeah, I, mean, I even uh, think of them all. They're like your your family, right? Yeah, I have um, an elect. I have two Gretsch guitars that I love. One's a semi hollow body, and the other is a baritone that I really love. Um, the semi hollow body mean it's light. It's light, yeah. So I used to have a, another Gretsch that was full hollow body, so it was like the size of an acoustic guitar. And I actually used to oh. play that in a hardcore band, which looked absolutely ridiculous. That's so funny. But, uh, I don't think... I probably have seen people playing that, and I just assumed it was an acoustic guitar because I didn't know an electric guitar could be like thick yeah. like that. Yeah, it just didn't have any like real <clears throat> sound uh, ports on it, so, or like holes, so... Uh, it, you could still hear it a little bit, like, but not like as much as an acoustic. Yeah. Because so I have a, an acoustic that I play that uh, Andrew from Black Tusk gave me. Cause it's just sitting around. Oh yeah, so, we have to talk about Black Tusk. Yeah, that's yeah. the one that you can drag you can drag around to like campfire parties. Oh yeah. <laughs> break out and jam. Yeah. Or if you do, you get into doing open mic nights. No right? my gosh. You're probably gonna bring your acoustic. Uh, I see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, maybe. Maybe one day. You know, like. Uh, my dad would probably be real happy if I oh, got yeah. out there and did some acoustic work because he taught me how to play like uh, he raised me on finger style picking, you know. So despite me playing in all these hardcore metal punk bands, like how I play when I play by myself is very pretty, quiet finger picking classical okay. style. You know. Yeah, what I would think of as classical or like flamenco type of right, guitar, where yeah. it's like very impressive, complicated yeah. looking finger and stuff. And I, and I love experimenting with different styles of playing too. I think that keeps me sharp as a musician, you know. So I like try to learn like bossa nova or like. Yeah, a, I love that. My friend, uh, he, he started getting me into playing uh, ragtime, like old ragtime blues like yeah. from like the 20s and it sounds so simple but then when you start listening to it and playing it it's so complicated but it's oh it's technically it's complicated te to yeah yeah there's these are like these amazing guitarists and it's just like constantly moving chord oh. shapes but it, it helps uh level up i feel like playing other techniques well, all these things that you're, I mean, both the bossa nova and the ragtime stuff, I feel like as you live in Savannah, there's more and more opportunity. There's clubs and people who are looking to listen to that. I feel like you're opening yourself up to be able to, like, 
Absolutely. just play with a lot of different bands because that kind of stuff is really popular around here. Oh, yeah. And that's probably where better money's at. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess just it's a little more... background music, you know, for <laughs> yeah, a exactly. wedding or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have friends who play at that Cuban restaurant on MLK every weekend oh, and it's yeah. like bossa nova and that type of flamenco that kind of jazz which is cool oh yeah they're opening up a smash room right yeah. across the street from uh, that that is your room. fiance opening up <laughs> yeah. the smash room right? little, uh, like a little <laughs> drop right there <laughs> what is it called what, what is this it's place called, called? S- uh, smithereens alright you heard it, heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> do you think is there going to be an opening party will you be playing at because that would be cool I think they could probably have some sort of like you know, live DJ kind of situation. Well, it there. sounds like, like it's a smashing place. You should be playing some heavy metal right. in the lobby that's, as people that's are true. smashing, yeah, yeah. right? Um, I wanted to ask you: Has your dad ever played with you at anything? Uh, you know, we we've sat down and uh, at like you know family get-togethers and kind of like tinkered around, but no, yeah. not really. We never. Okay. Do you think he'd be interested in that? I think he would. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> We said, Dad, come to town. I have a surprise for you. And then you pull him on stage. He's a he's an interesting guitar player because he doesn't play, like, cover songs or anything. He just kind of picks up a guitar and goes. Oh. So he'll be, like, just playing this, like, beautiful music for, like, seven minutes. And it's just, like, off the top just of his head. It. Yeah, just kind of wow. feeling it out and progressing to the next part. It's really cool. And mesmerizing so that was like a memory is like all of us like sitting around a campfire as a kid or like in the living room and it's like Christmas time and my dad's just like playing this amazing just music creating his and music. everybody's just like staring. This is very like, cinematic what yeah, you're describing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can he ever remember one later and replay it or is it every single time it's a new song? I mean, he he has like a you know some phrases uh, that are like you know different versions of songs I feel like but it's all original all of his yeah you know like I said he doesn't do covers I didn't do covers for a long time either I don't know if that was a byproduct of the way that I learned from him you know that seems like I feel like most people when they're learning music that's what you would learn to do covers because otherwise you're like how do you even know that you know how to play it unless you're able to replicate something that you know right yeah I don't know I just I I just started placing my uh, fingers into different chord shapes and seeing what happened okay it was a lot of experimentation so you were just writing songs from the beginning too yeah yeah just writing yeah how did your um, so when the pandemic hit and you just went out and bought a bunch of you said like keyboards and synthesizers is that right oh oh, yeah like how did you start What's your writing process like where you're just alone in your room writing on these new instruments? Uh, at first, because I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a piano player. And I wish I had started with piano, actually. Like, I feel like it would have been more helpful in the long run because piano is just so versatile. Oh, as um, your very first as instrument? As my first instrument. Yeah. So what I would do is um, I would figure something out on guitar like a chord progression and then I would transpose that to keyboard and like start breaking it down like note by note so I would play the chord shape you know that I wanted and I would say okay well this is the bass note for it you know and here's how the bass line is going to walk and then I would start plugging in all the high notes and just piece together like the chords with different sounds so it's something that I would play entirely on guitar by itself, but then I would separate each layer into a different synthesizer sound. So like, I know it sounds a little uh, convoluted, maybe. So then, so like when you're putting your hands on the keyboard, did you not, you didn't even know like, like, okay, here's the way that an A chord, here's the way I'm playing on a keyboard, were you literally just putting your hands down and like, tr- like picking around to recreate the note? Uh, pretty, pretty much, you know, I... I am not like a, I understand a little bit of theory, you know, and I can't read uh, notes, you know, I always did like tablature. I could read rhythms because I was in drumline. Okay. But uh, yeah, my sister got me into that. I wasn't even actually in band. Uh, she was the snare captain. 
so she was like, hey, my brother wants to be on drumline. So I could read <laughs> rhythms. Um, but, you know, I, I knew the difference between, like, you know, minors and majors yeah. and sevenths, you know, and just the way they sound. So as long as I knew where the note was, you know, I could figure it out from okay. there. You know, I could it, separate the key. Is that, so now that you've been working on the keyboard for a while, are you still doing it that way? Or now I'm are getting you, you're more comfortable? I'm more comfortable, yeah. I'm yeah, getting that's better hard. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many, how many songs have you created on the synthesizer now? Um... Well, complete songs, you know, I probably have done about 40, but you know, pieces of songs I've probably done about 120. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, just ideas, but I like, keep them around because you never know. Like, yeah. You listen back to it later and then you're like, there was something there. <laughs> um, you know, just even like one little thing or you never know what you have. So I'm not a big fan of deleting ideas. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sound, you're very prolific. It sounds so similar to your dad, how he can just turn out a lot of different ideas yeah. and you keep them around. Well, I, I come from a family of prolific musicians. My brother, uh, they probably are the most prolific of all of us. You know? uh, they were a local electronic musician in town, too. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one, like, best electronic artist in the Connect, oh. like, five or six years in a row they went by Sunglow um, I mean and just one of the most talented artists that uh, I've ever seen. you know it's my brother so it's like yeah, yeah. he's been around my whole life um, but, but objectively, objectively very talented so so talented I love and, that you know, um, my sister is like a master marimba player what is that what is that like you know xylophone but it's big like Oh, is Just, it with the, like, fluffy ends? Uh, yeah, or, like, stick? the mallets, you know? <laughs> um, she played with, like, Savannah Winds. And, like, you guys all have such interesting interests. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's take a little station break. I am with Cola Hack, <clears throat> whose real name is Derek Hakita Lynch, and we will be back in a minute. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Hey everyone, welcome back to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey and I'm with Derek Hakikta Lynch, whose stage name is Cola Hack. Welcome, Derek. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Welcome back from the break. Back from, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for continuing the interview. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk about, you're in this band, Black Tusk. It's probably your most well-known 
project that you're in. Um, so first, let's, I'm going to play a little clip of Black Tusk. So here you go. Okay, so can you talk to us a little bit about how it started that you joined this band? Yeah, it was uh, kind of a just random thing that happened, you know. Uh, they were looking for a bass player, and my fiance, uh, Suzanne, just happened to start working uh, for Andrew Fiddler's uh, construction company. So she said, uh, Derek plays bass and he kind of like I think he dismissed it at first he was uh, <laughs> he was like oh okay cool whatever <laughs> and, and then uh, I he got was a, like thanks for the information yeah yeah and then I got a text a little while later you know I, I think I think once they figured out who I was and that I had actually experienced oh. traveling and like <laughs> that I was a serious musician they're like oh okay like give him a try and it ended up working out, you know, perfectly. Like, it was an immediate click with personalities. Like, yeah. those are some of my best friends now. Like, uh, interesting making best friends later in life, you know? Yeah, like, uh, people talk about that a lot, how hard that is. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it does, you don't think it happens like that. It's like, I'm going to hang out with the same guys from high school my whole life. And yeah. then, like, people grow apart, you know, and, did you know him at all through Suzanne, or when you showed up to like play with them, were they completely new to you? No, I had seen them many times before. You know, going to shows and just being in the music scene. You know, they were always there. There was, you know, the big three in Savannah was Black Tusk, Kylesa, and Baroness. You okay. know, for a long time, and so like those were the big sludge metal. Uh, sludge metal. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that's what they called it, but I think. I think all those bands probably wouldn't want to be described as that, but you know, for you know, lack of better words, we'll just say that for now. But uh, so I'd seen them play at the Jinx, and I even like you know met them before in passing. They probably wouldn't even remember that. Um, I was familiar with them, yeah. You know, but I never dreamt that I would be yeah. playing with them one day. How did you? So you said so they um, brought you on as a bass player, but you hadn't even talked yet about playing bass oh yeah, How, yeah, yeah. When, so you started on guitar at some point you just picked up bass as well yeah I, and I had played bass in like a couple other bands at that point um I played bass with uh my good friends and Greta O and the Toxic Shock um just like a noisy punk band you know and playing guitar you know I was just like it was an easy transition and I could approach it like trying to think about it like a real bass player too, you know, not just being like, I'm going to play this bass like a guitar. Is it because you're more, you said you're more like finger picky and finger work? Is that more conducive to bass than guitar? Um, probably, I mean, for for real, real bass players probably, you know, but when you're playing in like punk and metal, it's usually <laughs> a lot of like down picking and so you use a guitar pick. I know some you know, metal bass players that still, you know, they, they do their the traditional style of using their fingers for picking. But, um, considering how fast it is, you usually use a pick, I feel like. And I played bass with uh, the discussion, um, which is Laura Pleasance from Kylesa. Uh, that was a tour that took me to Europe. Wow. Um, and I was more of a hired gun for that situation. Yeah. You know, I was just... I was just happy to be there, you know, and, um... You came in for the tour. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're like, you want to go to Europe? I'm, I was like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So what year was it that you joined Black Tusk? Uh, this was just, uh, a little over, almost two years ago. Okay, yeah, have so you toured with them at all Yeah, yet? I've got, like, uh, three tours under my belt now with them, um... What was it like the level of touring with them versus the early ones where you were with your friends? And oh, it was... It was <laughs> Let's hear about the glamorous life of being a real... Well, it's, it's, A, is never glamorous. Like, you know, people are always... I think they have this misconception about touring where they're like, oh, you're going on vacation. 
and it is not a vacation. No, it's like at a all. bunch of like, men on a bus who haven't showered. Yeah, and you're going from city to city, but you don't really have time to explore. Right. You know, you don't. You show. You're in the van for maybe eight hours sometimes. You know, maybe more, maybe a little less. When you get the three-hour like travel times, uh, you're excited. You're like, yeah, because oh, you get a little time. It's only four hours today. That's, that's <laughs> great. You know. Do you guys just take turns driving? Uh, we switch off. You know. Okay. Uh, but with this band, is um, the booking is that like a little more professional? Like who's gotten the gigs and stuff? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. So wanted to get back to that. It's uh, it was really nice joining a band that already was somewhat established, you know, because back in the old days of um, playing and touring, you know, you there might be nobody at the show, A, when I was real young, and then you don't know where you're staying, so sometimes we would stay in Walmart parking lots, oh. you know, sleeping in the van, but in this situation, it's like, we always had a place, you know, and we do hotels a lot because we're older and we don't want to sleep on people's floors <laughs> on the sofa, yeah. any, anymore. <laughs> so it was good to have everything like, you know, they're, they're a, run more like a business than my old bands were. Yeah. It's know. so interesting. Um, yeah. It's every, we have bookers and a manager and everybody's how, has a piece of it how does it go with um so i guess it would used to be where like at the end of the show you're really pushing to sell your cds and merch and stuff but now cds aren't a thing so what are you making money just from people coming to the show how does that work we make a lot of money from merch for sure okay. but uh thankfully you know uh vinyl you know i'm sure you notice has come back in oh, a okay. huge way so you're selling that so people love vinyl and especially metal fans like they're huge like on, purists. on vinyl and metal fans also love t-shirts okay yeah they're, they're that huge, stickers you know, uh stickers patches you know you yeah. got all bandanas like are you guys do you guys get cds made at all or literally just mm, vinyl no they still we still do have cds because they've been a band for so long that they still just have them i okay. think but From back cds then. just don't sell like uh they're the you know, what, are you, what do you do with them anymore? What, yeah. I, what about cassette tapes? I'm a real, I'm like a child of the 80s. I really miss cassettes. I love cassette tapes. Do you think I, that's going to make a renaissance? I think in the punk scenes and like a lot of underground people, they still do it. It has a, a certain quality to it that's just fun and like it, it, the, the sound is really cool. It's different. It's than different. The others, yeah. Um, I mean, when CDs came out and everybody was, you know, marbling over how crisp it was and I guess it never really degrades or anything but now at this point you look back and you're like well I kind of miss the cassette level quality right, yeah so that I actually for cola hack you know I that's what I do I do cassette tapes for your electronic music yep okay yeah oh I love that that's good to know yeah I mean and I'd, I'd love to do vinyl but uh you know it's it's expensive and tape is just another solid option like I said a lot of yeah. people in the underground still buy it and collect it you know um, where do you go, where do people, if you want to get records made or cassette tapes made, where do you go for that? Uh, there's pressing plants, you know, that'll do it for you. You can find any okay. online. Is that in Savannah or you do it online? Online. It's okay. Most people, like, there might be somebody in town. Yeah, but I'm interested I, I'm in this. actually not too sure. I know there's quite a few places in town to get cool t-shirts screen printed. Oh, yeah. Right? I screen print. Okay. Well, tell us about. <laughs> are you screen printing your Black Tusk T-shirts? No, we we <laughs> talked about it. So we like because in a way we could operate like a fully, almost fully self-sufficient machine because <laughs> uh, our guitar player Scary he he records the band. He's the producer, so okay. he's done the last record and he's doing a new record that we're working on. And then I'm a screen printer, so I'm like, well, we could just You're, you know, yeah. do this. You're a self-enclosed like, unit. Yeah. I mean, and there might still be, like, a need for a label, you know? Like, it, it's kind of weird, because you can, you can function without a label today, you okay. know? But, like, you have to have somebody who can clean things up and produce it and do all that? Yeah, that... and, like, you know, front the cost for, like, you know, pressing, like... Oh, yeah. You know, a thousand vinyl records or something. Is that mostly what a label would be for, is fronting the cost of things? Usually, yeah. 
and you know they, they help out you know there's somebody that works with the label maybe to help you find bigger tour packages and okay. things like that that you might not uh, have time or the connections to do yourself do you want to talk about so you have an album that you guys are working on now what's your timeline looking like for that I'm thinking it'll probably be the beginning of next year. Okay. Like, uh, that's what we're looking like. It's, a, uh, you know, our drummer lives in Athens right now, and so we kind of have to manage our time in a certain way together versus, you know, how a lot of bands function where they just live together or, you yeah. know, they get together every day, you know. So we send each other shared files and, like, play stuff back, you know. Wow. It's so futuristic. Yeah, yeah. Does that mean you guys go to Athens to play a lot? We have, but uh, he comes here a lot, you know. Uh, yeah. We used to, we had a practice space over there off Millsby Lane that we used to work at, and then Scary has a studio in Rinkin, so that's where everything goes down Yeah, over there. everything has to be kind of off the beaten path, right? Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to play metal music, like, just anywhere in Savannah. <laughs> I did want to ask you, yes, yeah, so since you've been in Savannah for, since around 2005, you said what you, how you feel about, like, the current, the current temperature of the city as far as opportunities for musicians and venues and things. What do you, how do you feel about? Savannah, it, it ebbs and flows, you know, I think... It's the nature of, uh, I think it, it's a big, a big part of it is uh, SCAD's presence in Savannah in a way because you have this influx of, uh, you know, new creative minds that come and then they might make it like two years and they're like, oh, I can't afford the school anymore. And then they leave or they graduate, you know? Yeah. So you get like these highs and lows, you know, like with like, I think it was like 2014 was like a real high point in Savannah's like underground music scene where we had you know acts like uh, Triathlon and Boy Harsher that were like you know making music out of Savannah and so you'd have these shows at Hangfire yeah. with like those groups my old band Craybags with uh, some of my best friends it was just these jam-packed uh, just energetic, like powder keg shows. Just that, that era of having Hangfire. That was Hangfire. To, like Hangfire and the Jinx were probably your main venues. Oh my for that gosh, that was music. such a that was such a great time, and you would bounce back and forth. You know, it was like that little weird Congress yeah, that crawl corridor. that we did. And then you'd go for late night pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but right now, you know, I think is also a high point. There's so many creative bands that are uh, playing right now in Savannah um, so I think it's it's back there was a little oh, bit cool. of a you know stagnation there for yeah. a second I was like not just from a pandemic but, but in general yeah there's people doing like really cool things like uh, one of my old roommates Kyle Brown is like he's got his dog days presents uh, uh, booking uh, company He's doing stuff out of El Rocco, and he's bringing yeah. in some, like, really cool acts. And um, they have the Lodge of Sorrows happening, this Ryan Graveface's thing. Yeah, um, this is this new place on the west side of Savannah. Yeah, and they're bringing in great acts. And the local pool of town is so good right now. Um, yeah, there was this, we were talking about, there was this uh, sort of goth dance party that used to be held at the Jinx and now is back and is being held at right. that yeah, Lodge yeah, of Sorrows. Never never not goth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to get to that point and play it. But, you play know, it. If, they, if they would allow some sort of, like, dark trip-hop stuff, you know, that'd be fun. But, you know, it's yeah. kind of weird. I don't know if, like, you know, how people dance to it, you know. Like, uh, <laughs> they just look at their feet and yeah, move right, slowly right. back and forth, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, how so? El Rocco is cool because they they seem like they show just a huge variety of genres there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I didn't when it first started. I didn't think that it was going to be like a music venue, but right. I think out of like a, you know out of necessity, like people just want music. So um, it became more and more of that. Yeah. So now on any given night, you could go see like a metal show or like maybe a hip hop show, and then I remember after like. I had a show there, and 
it was great, and then all of a sudden it turned into like this late night dance party, and it I'm did. just I'm just trying to load out my stuff, and it was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely insane. You couldn't even get like, out. You were yeah. doing your electronic music, yeah, then? yeah. Okay, well, it sounds like you fired them up for dancing, so right, right. you should totally play it. Never yeah, and, and my stuff, I feel like it gets a lot of like crossover, like interest too, because like you know I played a punk show there the other day. And I was a little nervous about it because I was just like, man, the only thing that's different on this bill, you know, these are all like heavy bands and me. But like, I got so much, you know, I don't know. Uh, it wasn't like people were just bored during no, your they, part. They, they absolutely they were into it. They loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh, these are my people. So. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, and then, then I, you know, played a lodge the other day with like a full electronic, you know, uh, set. And, how many keyboards would that be, a full electronic set? Uh, well, I do one keyboard, you know, and I have, like, a couple other. I have a synth guitar that I play. Oh, that's Oh, cool. yeah, I forgot to mention that earlier. That's, like, a, people <laughs> love it when I bust this thing out. It's, like, this Casio uh, SG-20 that I have that's a, it's this 80s, synth guitar that it sounds kind of dinky but when you run it through like effects pedals it just sounds so cool oh my god like it's, uh, is it like a guitar no it's not a guitar okay. it, it has like these like <laughs> nylon strings and like sensors that uh <laughs> like it, it never took off i guess no no but you, you brought it <laughs> yeah, back yeah. But i'm gonna take a moment we're gonna play another little clip of cola hacks music Welcome back. That was another clip of Cola Hacks music. Um, so Derek, I wanted to ask you on Instagram, you are, you're very funny. You do all these really funny, uh, just like really wacky, subversive, dark meme things. Is that, do you kind of consider this? It's like another aspect of your art. Cause it takes a lot of, it's kind of a lot of work to put together an elaborate Instagram post. Yeah. I don't, I was never like, uh, I never really used Instagram much to take like pictures of myself or like the food that I was eating. No, no boomerangs of yourself cheersing. Right, yeah. Um, and I, I always like wanted to use it more for like creative endeavors. And so when I started doing my solo music especially, like I converted it into like, okay, this is like going to be my music profile now. But like I just started making weird images or like finding cool stills that I liked. And that, that was just like I don't know. There's no real reason behind it. I don't think I'm going to blow up and, like, be some kind of meme account <laughs> no. or something. Was this during the pandemic you kind of started? Yeah. Doing the, when yeah. we all just had a lot of time to kill? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I was like, out of boredom. And then me and my, my brother and I, uh, we started, like, doing this weird, like, multimedia uh, project where we, like, review terrible movies. Or not even terrible movies. Movies that were, like why are you reviewing this? Like, oh. our, our first review is, like, we reviewed 300, so that movie about gladiators or okay. whatever, and that movie came out in, what, like, 2004 or something? <laughs> You're just trying to bring it back into the public discourse. Yeah, but we also, we dress weird, and my brother, who's amazing at, like, uh, graphic design, you know, they did a, it looks kind of like, cyberpunky max headroom like alternate reality oh, wow. talk show that's a lot yeah is this um, so you guys are videoing yourselves reviewing things yes okay. yeah it's uh it's called cbtv and it's just m movies and music reviews like you know we'll do like something that we like or you know some friends music and then we do one movie like you know one time we did made in manhattan oh my god so i have to sit down and watch the whole movie Thumbs up or thumbs down to Made in Manhattan? Manhattan was, it was pretty good. It was better yeah, than you, yeah. It was a, I liked it better than 300, but, uh. Interesting. Yeah, it's kind of weird, you know. <laughs> you had feelings about the I, fact that you liked it more than. Yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, what's his name? Voldemort? 
Ralph. Oh yeah, Ralph Fiennes. Ralph Fiennes. I didn't. I, I didn't really see him as a good uh, love interest for Jennifer for Lopez, but he was in town not too long ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was here filming something. Well, well, I hope he doesn't listen to this interview. I'm gonna send it to him. <laughs> I'm gonna tag him in this. <laughs> this. Oh, this podcast is reaching the highest echelons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wanted. I did kind of want to briefly ask how you feel about. I have a lot of feelings about like how hard you know people who are artists or musicians have to work to like create content on Instagram in order to get our stuff out there and how now it's like things have to be video and it really gets out there and I, I kind of hate that we it's just this whole extra thing that people have to do I don't know how do you feel about it I, I agree with you like uh, I I wish that it could just be a back to the art that we create you know yeah. and like we didn't have to do all these extra TikTok you know, like, yes, uh, putting together these things, really crafted like, things because it's a whole extra art. Like it's one thing at the beginning where you could kind of just like snap a couple photos and post it and have like a really simple caption. But as time yeah. has gone on, you're not going to be in people's feeds doing that. You have to do kind of elaborate things, and then like your entire feed has to look really curated yeah. and staged, and it's just it's a lot of work. And I, I don't know if that's just me, like being an old fogey, you know, and growing up and like yeah. uh, really getting out there and being a road dog. So I'm just like ah, like. Your salty yeah, road dog. Yeah. Arr. Yeah. And all, so these, but that's how electronic, some, especially electronic artists and stuff, uh, they'll have like a song that's like on a TikTok video, you know, and that's how they are discovered. You oh, know? Like that makes sense. How, yeah, yeah. That's how they blow up. Yeah. So but a lot of people are using your clip yeah, of they, music. For a specific style of video or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. So then you go to like Spotify to find out where this song is and it's like this one artist with... 20 million monthly listeners but they have like one song yeah <laughs> it just became a huge yeah and it, it's so bizarre um that's and interesting it, and also the the songs tend to be short yeah. in nature because like Cause TikToks because tiktoks are just TikToks 30 are, or 60 yeah, seconds yeah so they want this immediate thing and it makes me wonder about the longevity of these artists like careers like is this just like a flash in the pan yeah yeah. you know is this a flavor of the week and then everybody's just gonna forget about it you know yeah like the new version of a one-hit wonder you don't just have one hit song you have one hit one minute clip yeah i think like you know as an artist you you always you're always wanting to like make it personal and like or at least i do you know you want to put a little bit of yourself into it and like you're trying to make it timeless even though it might not be for everybody else that like something that you can be proud of and not just like gaming a social media system. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, well, I want to ask you, we're at our point where we do the inside the actor's studio questions point. Um, Melissa isn't here, but I think I remember her questions. So I first wanted to ask you if you are just walking on the street alone or you're listening to something to like jazz yourself up, what would be like a good background music for you to get excited that you play in your head? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) I listen to a lot of uh, somber stuff, so I wouldn't say jazzed exactly, but um, see, lately I've been listening to a lot of uh, I Am, Am I, Who Am I? Okay. <laughs> Which is a mouthful. Uh, it's just an electronic artist from uh, Europe. Is that a palindrome, that name? It sounds like it might be. Yeah. You might be right. <laughs> we'll go with I, yes. I have to think about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to do yeah, the math yeah, right yeah. here, but... Um, That's just, like, artsy, like, uh, synth music. But also, like, a lot of, like, I said, softer stuff. So I've been listening to a lot of uh, this guitarist, Romaine, like, who does, like, almost kind of, like, jazz kind of finger-picking. Nice. Like, a little bit of ragtime in there, you know. It's like your two sides to your personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, Melissa would want to ask you, who has been a figure that's really influenced you in your field? Ooh, um, like somebody that I don't know or somebody that I do know? Yeah, somebody, somebody that you don't know, so like a big figure, I guess. Okay. Or it could be someone you know. I mean, there's no rules. This is radio. Well, I think, uh, I think Ian Mackay from Fugazi was a big influence on how like I looked at like the DIY structure and the work ethic of music like I like the for the people kind of attitude that he always had with Fugazi like it was like 
they never had a show more than five dollars. They like mm. they didn't do like merchandise like that. Like, oh, they, they didn't. didn't? Well, they, did, they did like you know records and tapes, but they didn't do shirts because they didn't want it to be like a billboard or something. You know, like so I, I always liked that DIY like as, aesthetic that they had and like you know really get out there and grind. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I, I went to high school in the D.C. area. And I know oh, yeah, they're yeah. From the, And there were so many clubs downtown. It was a really good era. There were so many really small places for, like, new up-and-coming bands to play. It was a cool era. Yeah. Um, okay, my other question was, if you weren't doing what you were doing in your field, what is another kind of career track you might have wanted to try? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I think I, I, think I probably would have liked to have... Uh, been a teacher maybe you know I went to school for psychology you know for a while and then I kind of got back into music and you know switched career paths but uh I think I mean, yeah just being a teacher you know like I loved English um, oh yeah so I think I would have enjoyed doing something like that what age uh I think I could have done definitely not middle school <laughs> it's the worst age yeah. for humanity. <laughs> I don't, God bless them. <laughs> the teachers, middle yeah. school teachers everywhere. Like, yeah, I remember that being very hard for girls. I assume it's a really hard age for boys. Yeah, that's why they separate them. <laughs> yeah. We should just send the kids off to an island to get yeah, through yeah, a few middle years. Middle school island. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's actually just Lord of the Flies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, okay, and then Melissa's final question would be: Can you, you want to name a book that really speaks to you? Because she is a bookseller. She is a co-owner at East Shaver Books. Mm. Um, let's see. Maybe uh, I really the last book that like really kind of moved me, I guess, was Exile in the Kingdom by uh, Camus. Uh, just uh, some short stories, you know. That, their writing is like super cool anyway so yeah I think that yeah, it's an easy read short yeah, yeah is it existentialism yes that yeah, okay yeah. all your things are very dark yeah you're like I'm listening to goth synth to jazz myself out <laughs> well yeah I think it was uh, I, that's what got me into psychology too you know like yeah. I wanted to understand like uh, the way the brain works yeah, and like consciousness and stuff like that but like you know we're all, we're all here you know we're all here. Trying to understand things. Well, I know you wanted to, for to wrap this up, you wanted to give a shout-out to some up-and-coming musicians around town, which I think is a really nice... Yeah, I think uh, the, the electronic scene especially is, like, uh, at a really good point right now in Savannah that I've never really seen. Uh, nosebleed with five E's in Nosebleed. Okay. So <laughs> make sure to type that in. It's, uh, my friend Post Crunk is doing some really interesting stuff. Uh, Dormir is incredible. And then on the band side of things, you know, there's so many good bands happening right now. Uh, Chipper Bones is, like, bringing a lot of cool stuff to town and playing out a lot, um, doing bigger things. Um, everything that Dog Day is doing. And then there's Our Home Films, which isn't a band, but they're there, like, recording everybody's sets, you know. Okay really helping everybody's kind of helping boost each other up and uh collaborating in this really cool way right now it's great to so. hear well thank you so much this has been so interesting talking to you about this everyone this has been derek aka cola hack thank you for having me of course here are some cool creative events coming up the next week this thursday from 5 to 7 p.m cork house gallery is having a closing reception for their three-person show on Friday at 5 p.m., there's the free Savannah Jazz Festival in Forsyth Park. Also on Friday from 5 to 7 p.m., there's a one-night-only reception at Location Gallery. It is The Passenger, Cormac McCarthy by Beowulf Sheehan. And then Saturday at 7 p.m., the Savannah Philharmonic is having a free outdoor concert in Hull Park. Up next on WRUU, that old Savannah magic from 4 to 6 p.m., you are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.